Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. My name is Eric Pennington. This is a special episode of the Spirit of EQ podcast. It's taken from an event that we did in September with Hannah Bowers. It's from the EQ Conversation series. Life is a journey. Spirit of EQ helps shape and guide the road ahead for individuals, leaders, teams, and organizations striving to realize their full potential through emotional intelligence. Spirit of EQ is a coaching and consulting company that assists individuals and businesses to reach their full potential by developing emotional intelligence. In business, managers and leaders recognize the value of training to develop leadership skills. What they may not realize is that those skills are far more effective when they pay attention to not only performance, but also to people. Emotional intelligence is a crucial skill because people drive performance and emotions drive people. Hello, everyone. And welcome to EQ Conversations for September. My name is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm so glad that you are joining us today, whether you're joining live or whether you are catching this on a recording uh, later. So with that, I want to just jump right in and introduce our guest for this month, Hannah Bowers. Hello. 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 Thank you for having me, Eric. Uh, it's so great that you could do it. I'm really excited about this. Um, as we share in our musician ways, artist ways, creative ways, and quite frankly, for the audience, you know, I, I've done work with Hannah in other settings, and you know, she's had a certain role there, which we may talk about today or may not. Um, but we really haven't had a chance, Hannah, to like. It's just like kind of you and I. I I've. I've sent you a little e- email with video. Little bits, hey, and, little bits and pieces. Yeah, where I've said, hey, you may dig this and you've yeah. sent some things. So yeah. this is an opportunity maybe to, uh, to sort of complete those circles a bit. But in the spirit of our show, um, we really want to kind of dive into it from the perspective of where EQ has shown up in your life, Hannah, uh, personally, um, as it relates maybe to your career in music, certainly, uh, as it may relate to what the last year and a half has been like um, that has brought a lot of changes to everyone. And um, just to kind of give you a chance to talk about that. But before we get into that, can you maybe just tell the audience a little bit about your background, what you do, where you're from, all that wonderful stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Little bit about me. I grew up in the Santa Cruz Mountains in Northern California. Um, I had a very interesting upbringing where I grew up in a very small mountain neighborhood that was kind of culturally a little hippie like. Um, we had our own water company and our own like little neighborhood government, and it felt like its own little paradise um, wow. outside of the world. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. That's, yeah. That's, well, that's cool. That is my upbringing. And, you know, as I grew up and had to go into go into town to go to these schools where there were more kids. Um, and eventually when I graduated high school, I moved down to Los Angeles because I always wanted to move down to LA to pursue my dream of being a musician. So I have been playing music. I've been writing songs my whole life. Like as long as I could speak and write things down, I've been writing songs. Wow. Yeah. And I started playing piano at eight years old. I started playing guitar at 14 
I started recording and releasing my own music as well as performing shows when I was about 15 in high school, selling little burned CDs to my teachers and my (laughs) fellow kids at my high school. And then I came down to LA when I was 18 and studied music um, at the University of Southern California at the music school there. Uh, got, Got my degree in music business and songwriting. So those believe it or not, our degrees. <laughs> I, I did know that. I did know that, but that, that could trace back to my music wonkiness and all that. Yeah. And then I've always been a bit of a mental health advocate as well. And I got more and more comfortable with that as I grew in my own mental health. Um, It was something that I struggled with for a very long time. And after a lot of years of therapy, uh, I kind of ended up on the other side of the chair, I guess you would say. And I became kind of obsessed with, well, if I figured out all these lessons and like other people don't have these years of therapy that I had, um, I want to make it easy and digestible for people to uh, learn these things about life and about themselves. Um, because I don't want anyone to feel, you know, like a, a prisoner of life or anything. Don't want anyone to suffer. So I have that in there um, as well. And then I got into emotional intelligence after that a couple of years ago. Um, got certified in EQ with six seconds. Uh, had my first training in summer of 2019. And wow. became EQ PC and EQ AC certified uh, last summer. And that's how our paths cross. And that's it's when our cool. paths cross. Yeah. Wow. So that is my very, very quick uh, timeline. Well, you've you've proven to me once again that life is not linear. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's a really good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I know some folks out there might say, well, speak for yourself, self, Eric. I'd like it to be linear. Well, I'd like it to be too, but it's not. So you kind of go with the flow, right? Um, so Hannah, you, you mentioned, uh, that very unique, um, creative thing early on with music, right? Was there anything that you can trace back in your memory that really kind of, uh, you know, sort of spawned that in you? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. My, okay. so I don't know if you know this, Eric, but both of my parents are radio DJs. Oh, I didn't. I yeah. did not know that. Oh. Yeah. So I had a very musical upbringing. My grandmother is a singer. Uh, My grandfather uh, was a photographer. So my genetics are highly creative, but growing up with my parents as radio DJs, I was brought into the station all the time. And, you know, such a culture to such an interesting culture to be brought into at such a young age and be so familiar with these are the hot songs right now. This is the billboard 100 chart. I'm like, four years old. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's so interesting. So did you, um, because again, we could probably do a two hour show with just staying in this space. So I'm going to try to be uh, um, disciplined here. Was there any, uh, as you can trace back to your memory, was there any song that you heard and, you know, at the radio station that just, you go, wow, that. That's a really good question. Um, It Actually, it wasn't at the radio station, okay. um, but my dad used to play um, back when ca- cars had cassette. <laughs> so oh yes, we had um, he had a whole uh, case of cassettes that sat in the in the backseat of his car when we would drive around. And he would always ask my brother and I, which cassette do you want to listen to today? And I had my favorite cassette that had my favorite songs on it. Um, so. The songs of like going up the country by canned heat. Uh, okay. That was my favorite song ever. And a very, my dad was as a radio person, they're really into album cuts and like more obscure songs. So mm-hmm. there was a song by captain and Tennille um, from the 1980s. That was also my favorite song. So it was those songs on my dad's cassette tapes that really stuck with me rather than the the pop songs on the radio although i love those two <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so this um this music thing obviously and you had it from your genes and the family background and and whatnot 
do you remember, you know, what you thought, what was your initial motivations as, as going into it as a performer and artist did you have in your mind, even though I know that may have changed, you know, since, but. So when I was very little, I didn't think about it at all. I thought, because you're very imaginative when you're young. So I had very creative career goals for myself. Right. I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player for a bit. I thought maybe I'll be a chef. Maybe I'll be a paleontologist. You know, right. like right. you're just as imaginative as possible. Um, but this whole time I'm writing songs and I'm making music and I'm around my parents who like music is their career. Um, it wasn't until... Uh, 2006, when the show Hannah Montana aired on television and Hannah Montana had this dual life of by day, she was Miley Cyrus, an average teenage girl. And by night she was Hannah Montana, this rock star, pop star performer that was famous and everybody knew. Mm -hmm. And after that show aired, I, I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like Hannah Montana. Um, and I wanted to be a pop star and I wanted to, when it first, that first struck in with, in me, I, I wanted to be exactly like that. So I wanted to be famous, you know, and I wanted to play like arena tours and yeah. have millions of people know my name and know my songs. And I started writing songs more after that, um, and started writing them to be pop songs after that, rather than just lyrics and pieces of music I really started putting things together um, mm-hmm. to make pop songs out of them interesting <laughs> wow yeah so and that that makes total sense um I can think um from my early days of of playing music and what I aspired to you know my thing was and I live you know in the midwest uh, in the United States you know my thing was uh, I'm gonna move out to California LA and I'm going to be a studio musician. And that was our, my group of musician friends. That was our, that's what we aspired to be. We're these really, really good studio musicians. And then eventually Santana was going to call me and say, I can't do it without you. And he's going to ask me to join Santana. Um, So uh, that's it. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, So at, at what point, and, and, and obviously you're, you're very active in that. And what you just described could very well still happen. I mean, there's no doubt, but I guess I want to ask, has any of your uh, perspective and aspiration changed over the years? Yeah, definitely. It becomes more real as you start to actually do it. Mm -hmm. And when I was 13, it was a dream. It was, I was writing songs in my bedroom and some magic thing is going to happen and I'm going to meet someone and someone's going to be like, this girl's got talent and yeah. then I'm going to be put into the label machine and they're going to make me a star, you know? So it starts out as a dream and then you start, and then I started going to music school and it was very real. And I was suddenly surrounded by musicians that were very, very serious and had decent amount of followings and they were, they were doing it. They weren't a part of the label machine. They weren't discovered. They were just doing it. Right. And so that's when it started to change for me. And I became more excited and driven to do it myself um, Mm -hmm. rather than wait for the moment of that discovery. And once I started doing that, I, you know, I was able to get into my own power um, and create this future that I want for myself. And I'd say that the current dream that I do have of my music career is, and it gets clearer and clearer every single day, Mm. Um, but it's just the most true and it's the most authentic. It's the most honest to me um, that I couldn't have possibly dreamed before because I had never experienced what I have now that showed me what the possibilities are. So now I get so much more and this ties right into EQ. Thank goodness. Um, (laughs) But the emotional reward that I get from one-on-one interactions or playing shows and talking to people after the shows or people on the internet, sending me messages after hearing a piece of music, that emotional fulfillment that I get when someone 
hears my music and it really resonates with them. Like that's what success feels like to me. It doesn't feel like my song just hit a million streams. Although that would be nice. I would love for my songs to hit streams. Um, But the dream and what I aim to do every day is about creating the spaces for those interactions for my music and my creations to really give somebody else uh, some profound experience that brought them joy or peace or, or what have you. Wow. That's, uh, that's awesome. That's very encouraging for me uh, as, as I have seen and read stories of, of not only musicians, I'm sure you could fill in the blank with other creatives who just chase down the fame and celebrity. And once they got it, they realized not what you think. Exactly. Um, I kind of almost, uh, I, I liken it to kind of that statement of be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, You're not going to know until it's, it's there. Yeah. And I, Hannah, I'm encouraged too, by, by the fact that you, you were able to kind of come to that awakening I'm going to just call it that. I mean, it could be a bit, there's a better word for it, I'm sure. But before fame may have knocked on your door, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Great. how did, how did, let's, let's, let's go there for a minute. Um, so how would you say you're better prepared now? Again, if the million streams happen, mm-hmm. you know, in a month from now, how are you better prepared now? What, what has happened that has better prepared you now? Yeah, I think about that all the time and I I experience gratitude for it. Whereas I used to be the have this mindset of kind of impatience um, of why can't I have this right now? And like, but I deserve it. And like, I'm good enough. And mm-hmm. just shifting that story and being like, it's really not about that. Um, this is my reality right now. So, um, and seeing how grateful that I am because I do see now having been a part of the music industry and being in LA and being surrounded by musicians and other music professionals, I see how toxic it is on everybody's mental health. Mm -hmm. And I see these unhealthy mindsets of the music industry and there's so much toxicity in it. And I chased that for a little bit and I tried to fit into that. And the more that I grew as an individual rather than just a musician or a music professional, um, the more I realized that that way of thinking was not what I wanted for myself. And if that's what success was like that, you know, I realized that I defined what success was and I didn't like that definition. So I was going to make my own. And now I feel so much more empowered to create my own definition of success every day, you know, every day it's different. And I feel so great about that. And I feel so much more at peace. I would really say like the greatest gift that I have from, um, you know, reaching this mindset, this awakening before having reached any sense of big fame that, I feel so much more accepting uh, of where I am every single day. And I have so much more love for myself and my life every single day. And I'm able to love the journey and love the process. Yeah. And so many people in the music industry, it's all the chase. It's all, I got to get here and here is where I'll be happy. And for me, I'm happy right here. <laughs> <laughs> I am happy here and I'm growing. I'm happy here and I want to go there. Um, and I think that that's way more sustainable in the long run. And I think that here and now is all I have anyway. So who knows what could happen? And I'm happy here. I'm happy now. I'm not, I'm not wasting any time with my happiness. And that's great to hear. Uh, I'm very encouraged by that because I, I, I also think like when I, I look at my timeline when I look in the rearview mirror and the times where I felt like I was able to handle whatever my success was, right. Mm-hmm. Was when I was, I had a healthy indifference to it mm-hmm. where it wasn't, it was no longer something I was chasing. Yeah. You know, I was comfortable just 
here's the work. I'm going to offer it up and then I'm going to go and do what I'm supposed to do tomorrow or the next day, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think another part about it that I started thinking about as you were speaking is it makes my work as a musician, as a creative, as an individual, uh, much more selfless uh, because I'm not so concerned about my fame. Um, I'm focused on my power. And when I focus on that, I'm able to use that to help others and beyond get to where I want to go personally. It's like, my goals are so intertwined with how I want to help the world. And when I'm not chasing this uh, manufactured idea of success, uh, I'm able to just focus on how I can do that the best every day. So you, you bring up a point and I, uh, for the audience, I I knew Hannah's um, passion for mental health inside of the music uh, world. um, And I've known that for a while. And this gives me an opportunity to ask, I know the pandemic has, uh, everybody's been hit by it. Is that, um, what's your perspective of it inside of the music community that you are a part of and have access to? Uh, how, how are they doing mental health wise? Well, you know, everyone's doing poorly, um, but I will say that they're now aware of how poorly they not only are are doing now, but have been doing. They there isn't this huge increased awareness of music professionals are suffering from a mental health crisis. And finally, we have the time and space to actually listen to that and respond to that. Um, so on an industry level, we're seeing so many mental health programs um, being started within various companies, uh, mental health resources being available to music professionals. And that has been amazing. And then on an individual level, the people that I see in my own creative community Mm -hmm. uh, is really this time of deep inquiry um, and the opportunity for growth. And it's still, I'm, I'm trying to put it into words. It feels like a, like a confusion or um, I think people are realizing that maybe there's more than one way to go about things. And if, for example, in the pandemic, you can't go on tour. So you're not going to make money by selling tickets and you're not going to make money by um, selling by streaming because music streaming doesn't make money. So I see people on all levels started kind of questioning like, well, if I am going to be a professional music musician, how am I going to do that? Um, And that's been a really important question to ask as well. And I've seen people experiment with things outside of let me make music the thing that's going to make me money. And people are exercising all other areas of their creativity and other skills that they have. And I've been seeing in that area, like more balance in a lot of people that I know, um, because they're not putting all their eggs in one basket and trying to make this music thing work. It's like, they've given, they've been given an opportunity to say, and this is my big thing that I am more than just one thing. And I have more than one thing to offer and that's beautiful and that's okay. So would you say that, um, are they, are you seeing more, um, more openness to like, for example, therapy, I mean, intentional therapy. I I know I, I came from a culture background where going to a therapist was, no, you don't do that. That's for people who have a problem. Right. Our dealing with problem was about just, just pray about it or just, you know, try to get some more sleep. I mean, it was just so, so off, off mark. So do you sense, is there more openness in that community? I would say in my, in my generation as a whole, like aside from just music industry, right, um, right being a millennial or being a Gen Z and like 
we have really normalized therapy. <laughs> people talk about therapy all the time. Um, people, there's, there's way less of a, a boundary around mental health. Um, and so I think that that's great, but within the music industry itself, there have been more resources available to people. So, and more conversations. So a, a spread of like awareness, um, that touches people in the music industry that, um, are older than I am that have always been told, like, especially in music, like, just don't talk about it and right. just, just deal with it. And, uh, if you, the artists are suffering mentally, um, that's not my problem as your manager or as a label. And people are kind of starting to realize like, oh, we have not been allowing our artists to feel their feelings. Um, so maybe we have to give them some resources. So there's definitely some de-stigmatizing of mental health and, and therapy going on. Gotcha. So when you think about uh, 2020, uh, the beginning of the pandemic, and even now as we're still in this, which seems like a slow slog through, mm -hmm. um, any highlights for you that, you know, whether it's a challenge or, or an opportunity that came about that maybe was, I mean, everybody I know has been hit the, the just from a, the shutdowns to fill in the blank, but is there anything you personally that maybe came out of it that was either a challenge or an opportunity? A very, very huge one. <laughs> ah, okay. So great question. Yeah. Um, I in February, well, in January, I had this moment, January 2020 on New Year's Day, I listened back to, I had started producing my own music and kind of taking the reins on my own songs. And yeah. I listened back to those songs on New Year's Day. And I said, whoa, like, I didn't realize that these are good. And these don't need that much work to be finished. Okay. And now I, I have music, I, I have to release this. This is really exciting. And then the next month I uh, was hanging out with some other talented producers and musicians that I was showing these songs to. And they were like, Whoa, like these are really good. Um, can we work on this with you? Can we finish this together? Mm -hmm. And started booking some studio sessions to, to tweak these songs together and get in the room and play together and fill in all the gaps that were missing. And these songs that were about anywhere from like 40% to like 70% done. Mm -hmm. And then, then the pandemic happened and I, we couldn't go to those studio sessions anymore and we couldn't hang out and have jam sessions. And I went to go stay with my parents in Northern California in the beautiful little hippie Haven up there. Right. And I had this moment of, I, and it's weird to say it like this, but sort of like, I have to do this myself. I don't have my studio. I don't have these people. I have my laptop. I have my instruments and I have a vision of how I want this to sound. And I spent most of 2020 um, finishing producing these songs on my album there uh not in a studio wow. not in a room with a bunch of people in it um sending song files to friends and being like what do you think what does this need um maybe like a couple zoom sessions where we're kind of live tweaking it but um the biggest gift that 2020 gave me was the realization that i can be a producer and i can do it myself and I finished a 16 song album. Um, and I have everybody else on the <laughs> show at a disadvantage because I, I knew about the album yeah, and have heard the songs. Uh, however, I didn't know your process there. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really powerful, Kat, because it kind of goes to something that um, I've been saying personally in my close circle, as well as inside of our business, the spirit of EQ. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's no denying that a pandemic happened. There's no denying that it has been earth shaking. However, how can we be, how can we thrive despite these circumstances that we do not like? Yeah. 
And you just gave an example. I mean, the easiest thing, correct me if I'm wrong, Hannah, right? The easiest thing would have been for you to say, hey, look, maybe in 2021, uh, some are saying not until 2022, I'll get back with those folks. I'm just going to just chill. I mean, you could have done that, right? Yeah. Um, I could have done that and I would have been really sad. <laughs> right. Now, let's let's be real, too. Right. I mean, I, I don't want I mean, maybe you did look at it and go, oh, no, this is going to be a cinch. But there had to be some of it was a little daunting for you. Right. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. It was so stressful. It was so like that amount of growth, like growth is always uncomfortable. Growth comes with growing pains. And my, oh my, that was some intense growth. Like as a producer, I grew from being a a here to like a here. Mm. And I learned so many skills and workflow things. And, but a lot of it was also mental and like, how am I going to show up for myself every day? Because I'm trying to find something to compare it. That's not music so that other people can understand. Um, But it's like, learning a new skill and having to apply that new skill every day (laughs) to get this job done that you have, you have this task, this thing that you need to get done. Mm -hmm. And in order to do it, you need to do this thing that you're not super comfortable with every single day. It's interesting. You say it like that too, Hannah, because I've, I've heard uh, from other thought leaders that sometimes being put in a position of doing something that you're a little unsure, if not a lot unsure of your ability to do it is really kind of really a good thing. Yeah, I think it it definitely turned out to be a good thing. (laughs) Um, I think it's a good thing to go out of our comfort zones for the most part. I think it was, I was probably meant to have this experience Mm -hmm. to teach myself that you can do this and you're, you don't need to, I feel like always with music, and just in life in general, I'm just growing into a person. I'm becoming more independent. I'm becoming more self-sufficient. Um, I'm learning the tools. I'm becoming an expert in my field, you know, and in order to do that, you have to take the training wheels off and you have to go uh, ride the bike by yourself. So I think that that's, that's what I had to do in order to uh, find this expertise level. So when we think about it from an emotional intelligence standpoint, was there anything that you would point to in that part of your being that really helped in, in taking on this monumental task? Yeah, well, I mean, we we could look at it in like the, the six seconds model way because like that it was just supported by that. It was like, I am so driven by this why this powerful, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, and like f- for me and for the world, this, this, uh, album is giving to me, it's giving to the world. Um, and how am I going to do that based off of what I'm feeling every single day? Um, which is going through something that was stressful and like my, luckily my parents are amazing. And that house that I was staying in is beautiful. So not the worst thing in the world, but I was also taken away like a lot of like my independence, you know, we, we all were really our freedom and unable to, uh, charge creatively by being around other creative people. Like I just, I didn't really have, I could talk about music with my parents, thank goodness, but I, I wasn't jamming out. I wasn't playing live shows. And in that way, it was kind of draining for me. Um, but I was really just so driven, um, emotionally by this vision that I had. And I held that vision close to me to get, get the job done every single day, um, and show up and also stay hopeful, um, and not overwhelmed by, you know, the really painful state of the world and uh, the trauma that we were all going through. Um, it was sort of like this vision that I had of this, this album, and it's more than an album to me. It's, uh, it's a, it's a lifestyle. (laughs) 
(laughs) You know, it's like this statement. It's this um, movement of sorts that I was getting out of me um, via music. And that my emotions around that were so strong that it kept me showing up every day. What was one thing that was um, maybe a a difficulty during that process that you didn't expect, um, but did present itself as a roadblock? Yeah, um, I would just, I mean, say that just the overwhelming stress of it all and how it felt to do something so hard and want something so bad mm-hmm. um, was really draining on me a lot of times emotionally. Um, and I needed to not put so much pressure on myself. I think I had a lot of pressure on myself, that combination of that feeling, and you don't need a pandemic to feel that way of, mm-hmm like we were even talking about with the creative journey, like I want to be here though, you know? Um, and it's, it was just going to take so long. And that was really daunting to me, um, how long it was going to take, um, and how difficult it was. And, and really the, the hard parts were in, um, it was 16 songs. It's a lot of progress to make on 16 songs. Mm-hmm. And the hard parts were when I didn't know what to do next with the song, or I felt like, how am I going to do this on my own? How am I going to, I, there's something wrong with this song. There's something not right. And I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if I can fix it. Um, and getting in those kinds of ruts. Um, I would say that that, that was the hardest part. Um and then also not being around creative people and young people my age, like like-minded people, um, was also really tough. So do you gain a lot of energy being in community then? Oh, huge. That's a big, big passion of mine. And I'm a big extrovert. Wow. Yeah. That you know, when you just said that, I mean, Hannah you know how it goes where you can guess things, but you got to be careful. You don't want to be guessing people's introvert, extrovert, all that other stuff. I would have guessed you to be extrovert. Which Now as I'm I'm kind of taking your story and processing and connecting dots, I'm going, that was, I mean, to do what you did as an extrovert in a time of a isolation-driven pandemic. Yeah. Wow. That, that gives me, um, that gives me a definite perspective that, um, cause as I'm sure everyone in the audience has, we have, I'm not an extrovert. I I'm an introvert that, uh, leans into extrovertness for certain periods of time, right. uh, which, you know, extroverts this time has been really, really hard. And I don't, I don't say that lightly, um, cause it has been. Um, you take, you take away community from an extrovert. Um, it, it, it's, it's big and, and that's coming from someone who's an introvert. Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, as it relates, you know, when you hit those ruts and we all hit them, whether we're creating an album or whether we're working from home, finishing a project, whether we're running a business or whatever, what were maybe a couple of things that you did to help um, maybe your go-tos as far as managing the stress, um, keeping yourself moving and going and not giving up. Yeah. I am a big proponent of self-care. I think that I have really learned how to listen to myself and mm-hmm. hear what I need and yep. then give myself what I need. Um, so as far as like that social component of like community that I was missing, um, anytime that I felt depleted in that way, like the least I have is a FaceTime. So, um, let me call a friend, let me FaceTime a friend and just get that charge and talk about things, get that connection. Um, also every single day. And I was, I'm a very, um, like disciplined person as well. Mm-hmm. So I knew the things that I needed to keep my energy moving and not feel stagnant. 
um, in a time like that. So I was making sure that I was meditating and doing yoga and writing and getting outside every single day. I still try to do those things every single day. Those are kind of the things that I've learned are like my necessities for operating at my best um, is tending to that, like tending to my mental needs, um, giving myself space of the mind and then moving my body and staying connected to my body um, and um, my heart, you know, and writing out my feelings and having conversations uh, about my feelings. Um, another thing that I loved doing that during that time that really fed my need to be independent and free, I would go on very long drives by myself and I would, you know, pick a playlist, pick an album and just be alone in my car. And that was really rewarding for me as well. Yeah, that's that's great because you really kind of hit on something that um, our mutual friend David Tugley said. Mm-hmm. You know, when a crisis occurs, you can only draw on the resources that you've built up until that time. Mm. And Hannah, that quote from him has stuck with me, almost haunts me yeah. because it's so. And, and in America, you know, and I'm not going to bash America here. So, uh, <laughs> however, the thing I wish for our country, I wish we would take that seriously. Yeah. And all the facets that you just mentioned, you know, our physical, mental, spiritual, emotional health uh, is so unbelievably important. Yeah. And it's not always going to be a pandemic. I get it. You know, there's all kinds of crises that will come our way. And, and there's no guarantee that no matter how much you've prepared, that it means you come out as a winner or whatever, but at least, man, if, if I'm going to be facing it, I'm going to be able to say, I did everything I could yeah. up until this point. Um, and you just gave a great illustration. So now I can connect other dots and go, well, yeah, now that makes sense. Why she would have that sort of the strength and, and the, the motivation to keep going. And again, I know you're in music, but you get it, Hannah, starting your own business, um, moving to another part of the country. I mean, whatever it may be, we have this, um, we have this power that we've been given to be able to persevere through great difficulties. And, um, I just, I, I'm, I'm just very inspired by that. That's, that's just awesome. That's awesome. Um, all right. So we're hitting at 1245. And as I said, Hannah, we could probably go for another hour because I haven't yeah. hit some of the music stuff. So we'll have you back. No, no worries there. Um, so let me ask you one last question for you. And then I'm going to open it up for those that are here live um, for any questions they may have. So if you could go back and whisper in the ear of the younger Hannah Bowers, and you pick the age and the time, that's fine. What's one thing you'd whisper in her ear? That is a really powerful question. Um, and it's something that I probably should have thought about before because I love that question and I would totally ask that to somebody else. We are so laid back and cool. Process as you will. Yeah. <laughs> Younger, younger Hannah. Um, what would you whisper to her? What would you tell her to keep this in mind? Because I'm out here in the future. Right. Um, something along the lines of things will change for the better. Or it's not always going to be like this. Oh, for someone that didn't, <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> well, see, no, because you're a musician. You it's understand right about it. Probably, you, you, you know the moment. You, you know the moment. Yeah. So that's really good. That's really good. Um, wow. Thank you. That is, that's very inspiring for me. Um, okay. So with that, audience, I'm going to kind of let you kind of come back into the, the picture, uh, if you will. Um, and if you'd like, you can type in the chat or if you'd like to unmute yourself and ask Hannah a question or two. This is your opportunity. Hey, Hannah. It's Kenneth. Hi, Kenneth. Um, how are you? 
Well, have amazing. I just know you are. <laughs> Seems like it. Um, that's awesome. Uh, first of all, thank you both for this. this is great. Um, you mentioned that you're very disciplined, which uh, I don't find myself to be. I think I am a lot of times, but um, then I find out that I'm not. Um, on those days, especially, you know, also being an extrovert and also trying to work on music and, and running a business and things like that. Um, how did you keep yourself disciplined on the days when you felt at your worst, you know, at, uh, you felt like, you know, this is not working out, this is taking too long, whatever it is. Great question. Um, I definitely have those days. No one is 100% every single day. (laughs) Uh, the greatest gift that you can give yourself is self-compassion. So meet yourself wherever you're at every single day, and that will make whatever it is that you are doing or feel like you have to do that day so much easier. Just meeting yourself where you're at, where it's like, wow, it's really hard to be able to do X, Y, and Z today. Well, what if I just do one of those things? Um, Or maybe there were, you know, for example, days for me where I was like, today, I'm not going to put on real clothes you know, which most of us did, but that's a huge thing. There you are. It's good to see your face. Um, or today I'm not going to put on makeup or today I'm going to have a second cup of coffee or I just like little things that you can give yourself, um, to remove the rigidity of being super hard on yourself, because while it's, you know, it can be great to be disciplined. Um, discipline also calls for surrender. So if the discipline feels too hard, soften up into that surrender side and see what comes from there. That's awesome. That's great advice. Um, I will throw out to you as well. Um, uh, Kenneth, um, I, um, I'm a big fan of Miles Davis and Hannah knows that (laughs) probably because of how much I exhaust that statement (laughs) on conference calls and such. But one of the things I loved about Miles is that he was this creative that could, he'd make his art, he'd make his music on and on, and then he would let go and move on to whatever he felt was calling him next. And when I first found out about that, I was not that guy. Cause I, I was like, well, wait a minute, it's gotta be perfect. Or wait a minute, I should be doing this. And then I should be doing that. But I started over time of this art of letting go that I'm going to prepare and practice as much as I can to make what I do. Great. But once the lights go on or someone asks for my thought or whatever, I'm going to give it away. And then it's no longer mine. And it took a long time to get to that place, but man, was it freeing because then I've done my part. My part as the creative was to give it away. So I don't know if that helps you at all, Kenneth, but that's my perspective. Hannah's yours is great too, as well. Certainly. It was great. <laughs> um, Thank you, that's awesome. All right. So we are heading close to the one o'clock hour. And uh, Hannah, I cannot thank you enough uh, for joining us. And I really do mean that uh, we'll have you back for a part two, because there is some music things that I want to get to. That <laughs> just time is not on my side today for that. Scratch the um, surface. Scratching the surface. Absolutely. And for all of you who are able to join live, we're glad that you could. We hope you'll come back next month for our next uh, session. Uh, next month session will be very intriguing too because we have um a lady who is involved in the nursing arena and uh you know as we are in this time that we're in uh the perspectives of where emotional intelligence is showing up in an area that's i mean there's a lot of stress on that system so i hope you'll join her she's a very inspirational person as well as I said before, for those that you are catching the recording, you'll find that on our YouTube page, as well as some of our other social media pages, if you want to take a a look at it from that perspective. But once again, I appreciate everyone joining. And Hannah, once again, I really appreciate your time. And um, we'll look forward to part two. I look forward to part two. And thank you so much, Eric. This was an amazing conversation. I loved everything that we talked about. Um, I got a lot out of it. So I hope everybody here did too. Cool. Take care, everyone. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. 
That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them, so... Reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Do you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So to we're, hear. we're not the perfect podcast host? We're close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally we want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them, so... Reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Do you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So to we're, hear. we're not the perfect podcast host? We're close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally we want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.